Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Everywhere we choose to speak carries weight. Weight that releases from our intentions and is set in motion on one or two paths. Paths that are clearly defined and kept in line by the power of the tongue. Path one, where our words are aimed to destroy. Harsh words filled with hate-filled lies that just add to the noise. But these same words can be sent down another path. A path where our intentions and our words can beautifully aspire to send words of blessing on a destiny to inspire true words spoken in love that are meant to lift higher for there's no such thing as wasted breath because our words are breathing fire. All right, well, welcome Lake Point family. And hey, if you got your Bibles, head over to James chapter three. Hey, if you're new with us, just want to uh, welcome you. My name's Josh and uh, I'm one of the senior pastors here. We're really honored that you are here. And uh, hey, while you're turning to James 3, there's something that happened at our church this week that we would just be crazy not to celebrate. Um, So Pastor Steve and I got to pop up to Colorado uh, and suffer for the Lord um, to visit our our high school camp up there called Journey Camp. And while we were up there, uh, man, honestly, I've never seen anything like that. Um, So our high schoolers were up there for two weeks back to back. There's too many of them for us to do in one week. And so back to back weeks, couple stats from Journey Camp we need to celebrate. Over the course of those two weeks, there were over 1,200 people there with the high schoolers, high schoolers and leaders combined. Um, During those two weeks, over 50 students gave their lives to Christ. That's right, we never wanna stop celebrating that one. Uh, And over 150 students indicated that they wanted to be used by God in ministry in some capacity. That's right, we're excited about that one too. Um, Now hey, some of you guys are stats people and some of you are story people. So for you story people, Um, This is a picture that uh, Greg Bradford, who oversees our student ministries, got sent um, right after camp with this text message. The text message was from a leader that said, had a home group of 25 of our kids that went to camp. They got together when they got home to talk about what God did in their lives at camp. And one girl shared how she had been using drugs every day for the past three years. And when she got home from camp, she told her mom, flushed her stash, and this is the longest she's been sober since she started high school. Come on, somebody. This is that happening right there. That's right. Well, hey, here's where we are this week. We're in week two of a series we're calling Breathing Fire. I'll explain that in a second. And it's uh, talking about the power of the tongue. And last week, uh, Pastor Chris Berkeley from our Forney campus, what's up, Chris Berkeley, Forney campus? They, uh, he brought the word last week and he taught uh, from a passage in Proverbs 18:21 that says this. It simply says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what this means is that every time you speak, it's a life or death situation. The life or death of your marriage is in the power of your tongue. The life or death of your relationship with your kids is in the power of your tongue. The life or death of your soul is in the power of your tongue. Think about this. How does the Bible say we become Christians? It says we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. So what the Bible's teaching is that our, our words have the power of life and death. Now real quick, let me give a theology behind that to help us understand this for you Bible scholars, okay? The Bible says that when God creates, he creates with his word. Think about it, the Bible over and over says, and God spoke and it was, God spoke and it was. Do you know what the Bible never says? It never says, and God waved his hand or jiggled his toe and it was, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Uh, when he speaks, God's words have creative power. Now watch this. 
The Bible says that we are created in the image of God, and what that means is that our words create reality too, okay? Now, if, if you're not track with me, let me give you some examples. So for instance, uh, if, if uh, somebody tells a small child when they're young that they're stupid, do you know what that kid will never do uh, for the rest of their life? They'll never try in school. Do you know why? Because those words created a reality for that child, and they've already known, I can't do it. Their words created reality. I'll give you another one. Uh, if you, uh, some of you, you're uncomfortable just even being here today um, because you came with maybe a boyfriend that you're sleeping with right now and that kind of thing. And maybe you're a person who every time in your relation, you're in a relationship, you find yourself giving your body um, to a boy and you don't even want to, but you just do it. Can, can I explain with compassion why that might be? Because when you were very young, for some of you, somebody told you that you were ugly and those words created a reality for you. And the reason you give your body away is because if you do that, then you can feel pretty again for 15 minutes. See, words create reality. Now some of you are like, now wait a second, Josh, words don't always create reality. When my wife and I get in an argument, I always tell her to calm down and it doesn't seem to create reality, okay? <laughs> well, let me just say this. Uh, it does create reality. It creates the reality of you having a bad rest of the day. That's what it does. Somebody told me one time that telling your wife to calm down works about as well as baptizing a cat, and I think that's true. But uh, that's what we need to see. Now, uh, let me give one more example. Um, this week on social media, I just tossed out, hey, uh, what are the most powerful words that have been spoken to you on Facebook? And hundreds of you responded. Um, there was one person that private messaged me, and here's what she said. Uh, when she was very young, she was in a sexually abusive relationship with a man who is much older. And she said the reason she stayed in that relationship is because at the beginning of the relationship, he said to her, a man in power over her said, you are mine, you belong to me. And those words created a tragic reality in her life that caused her to stay in that abusive relationship. So you say, our words create reality. Now, can I real quick say, let me tell you something that I'm not saying. There is an entire theology uh, called the Word of Faith Theology that teaches that our words have the power to get God to do what we want him to do. Um, I, I've actually heard some people, some people call it the name it and claim it theology. Uh, some people call it the blab it and grab it theology, you know, that kind of thing. But it's this, uh, this idea that if you just say with enough faith something like, I will pay off all my debts, or uh, I've heard somebody say in a sermon, if you stand in front of a mirror and say, I am healed of every disease and infirmity, well, that our words have the power to get God to agree with us. Can, can I say something to you? I am not saying that our words have the power to get God to agree with them. Here's what I'm saying. There's tremendous power in getting our words to agree with God. Tremendous power in that, okay? So let's look at that from James 3. Pick up with me in verse one. And here's what it says. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Good career choice, Josh. <laughs> you know, there we go. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now watch these three analogies here. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us and we can turn the whole animal. Analogy number one. Okay, watch analogy number two. Or take a ship as an example. Although they're large and driven by winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. There it is, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Third analogy. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell, okay? All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, 
but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, I want you to notice this passage gave three analogies. Now, let me tell you, let me tell you what I'm saying, then let me go there, okay? This passage is teaching that your tongue is, listen to this, disproportionately powerful. It's not just saying your tongue's powerful, it's saying it's disproportionately powerful. Uh, one of my favorite people in history is uh, Winston Churchill. There's a true story about Winston Churchill that one time a female reporter said to him, uh, Dr. Churchill, if you were my husband, I'd poison your tea. And he just fired right back off the top of his head, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. That's what he said, okay? Because <laughs> he was known for just saying whatever came to his mind. Now, let me just say to you, that's a bad idea to say whatever comes to your mind. Why? Because your words, your tongue is disproportionately powerful. Now watch these three analogies, okay? Now check this out. Analogy number one, it said your tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse. This is the same bit Pastor Chris had on stage last week. Now I want you to think about this. With this one pound $26 bit, I could control a 1,200 pound $100,000 thoroughbred. That, that bit, is, watch this, disproportionately powerful. Now, it controls the direction of your life. Can I say something to you? Okay, controls the strength of your life. Some of you guys are your executives, your business people, you're upwardly mobile, maybe oversee lots of employees, and you use a, uh, a personnel diagnostic tool called Strengths Finders. You might know your strengths, your top, you may be high woo, or you know, whatever it is, that kind of thing. Uh, can I say something to you? Listen, if you can't control your tongue, your strengths are useless because your tongue controls the strength of your life. Okay, now watch analogy number two. It said your tongue is like a rudder. Now I've got a rudder right here. Now watch how small this rudder is. You could have a boat the size of this stage and it is controlled by this very small piece of plastic. If this one little piece is broken, an enormous, very expensive boat becomes totally useless because you can't control where it's gonna go. So think about this. You can have a multi-million dollar yacht, if the rudder's out of control, you'll never get where you wanna go. Now think about this. You might be a person who has all the potential in the world. If your tongue is out of control, you will never get where you wanna go. You understand that? Now let me give some applications real quick. If you wanna change the direction of your life, change your words. If you wanna change the direction of your relationship with your children, change your words. If you wanna change the direction of your marriage, change your words. Now really quick, I wanna pause here and talk about marriage real quick. And so, so let, me, let me ask this question I want you to ask yourself. In your marriage, are you speaking words of life or words of death in your marriage? Now let me do this, I wanna to talk to the men and talk to the women. I'm gonna be an equal opportunity offender today, okay? So track with me. So men, let me ask you this question. Can I just say something to you? Okay, men, some of you, you are abusing your wife. And you may say right now, well, hey, Pastor Josh, I've never laid a finger on her. Listen, did you know this? In some ways, you can hurt her worse with this than this. Did you know that? What does the Bible say about how Jesus treats his bride? You remember? It says he washes her with the water of the word. Men, let me ask you this question. Are you washing her gently or are you sandblasting her? Okay, that's a serious question. Now, let me do the women real quick, okay? And I'll have fun doing this one too. So real quick, let me tell this story. And when I tell this story, if you've done this since I've been here at Lake Point, uh, multiple people have done it. Just assume, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about somebody else, obviously. So, so just track with me. I am shocked sometimes at what people will say about their spouses 
with their spouse standing right there. Multiple times, just in different churches and different lobbies, I've had a a wife, a well-meaning wife, come up to me with her husband standing right next to her and say something like, Pastor Josh, this is my husband. You know, he's not a very spiritual person. He doesn't come to church very often, but I'm working on him. Now, can can I ask you a question real quick? Do you think that that encouraged him? It didn't. He's embarrassed. He's embarrassed. Now listen, if you want, ladies, do you wanna know how to draw the best out of your husband? You can't disrespect a man into respectability. That's not how it works. Let me just say this to you. Here's here's what you gotta do, ladies. You need to find the one thing, even if it's just one thing that he's good at, and make that the thing that you talk about. If all he does is get up in the morning, here's what you need to do. You need to say, babe, you're the best getter-upper I've ever seen. I've just never seen him. It's amazing. Every day at 10 a.m., you just get right out of bed. He goes, unbelievable how amazing you are, that, that kind of thing. So watch this. What James is saying, think about this, is saying, if a bit is broken, a horse is useless. If a rudder is broken, a yacht is useless. If a tongue is broken, your gifts are useless. Now watch this, there's one more analogy. Use the analogy of fire, okay, now fire. Now a few years ago, I was living in, uh, in Tennessee, and uh, in 2016, there was the largest forest fire that had taken place in over 100 years, and it swept through a place called Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And there, here's some pictures of this from 2016. This one fire uh, did 10,000 acres worth of damage. Some of the pictures just look hellish. 10,000 acres worth of damage. It killed 14 people. It injured another 134 people. It damaged 2,500 homes. And this one fire did $800 million worth of damage. 800 million. Okay, now, this is really interesting. Do you wanna know how this fire started? $800 million and 10,000 acres, how that fire started? Here's how it started. Two teenagers forgot to step on one match that they lit when they were starting a campfire on the chimney tops trail. So one spark this big led to a forest fire 10,000 acres large. Now let me say something to you. One spark in the wrong place can burn down a forest. One word spoken at the wrong time can burn down a soul. Now, can I encourage you real quick? Right now, you may be going, dang, this sermon's depressing. (laughs) This is a rough one, man. Help us out here. Let me help you out and give you some encouragement. Watch this. The Bible says that when you speak, it's as if you're breathing fire. That's what James is saying. Now, can I encourage you real quick? Let Let me encourage you on this. Breathing fire, the same fire that can kill you in a forest can keep you alive in a winter. And God has given you the power of your words to breathe life, the life of fire in the winter of people's souls with your words, if you use them right. You know, I look back on my life and I see times where people, they breathe fire into the dying coals of my life. I remember so many times when my dad, when I didn't believe in me, when my dad would pull me aside and say, Josh, I am so proud of you. And he was breathing fire into smoldering coals in my life. I remember when I was a 25-year-old pastor in uh, Nashville, and I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was scared to death. And I remember one of the elders of that church, my first few months when I was there, he pulled me aside, a man named Scott Schutman, and he said, Josh, you were born for this. And it breathed life into the smoldering coals of my soul. Have you ever gone through a time that was really hard in your life? And somebody who went through the same thing reaches out to you and they say, hey, they just remind you, hey, it's not always gonna be this way. After winter comes spring, joy comes in the morning. 
And when somebody uses their words like that, it's like they're breathing fire into the winter of your soul. That's how God's designed us to use our words. Now it's not just, watch this, it's not just that our words are disproportionately powerful, watch this, I heard somebody else say it this way. It's that our words are, watch this, contrastingly productive. Now in verses nine through 12 that I didn't read, here's what James says, he says, hey, with our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, but then he says, hey, this is weird, with the same tongue we curse people made in the image of God. And then he gives two analogies. He says, hey, can one spring produce both fresh and salt water? Nope. And then he says, hey, can one tree produce both olives and figs? Nope. And he says, but this is crazy. One tongue can both bless and curse. Now, here's what James is saying that you gotta know about your tongue. Okay, watch this. He's saying nature can't do what the human tongue can do. Okay, one spring can't produce two types of water, one tree can't produce two types of fruit, your tongue can both bless and curse. Now, if you don't know what that sounds like, let me make this really clear. So this is the person who in a service like this, they're in here and they're like, oh God, I just bless you. Oh, Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And then they walk out in the lobby and with their friend standing next to them, they point at somebody and say, boy, I sure hate her. She's just the biggest gossip in the church. I've told everybody, you know, that kind of thing. I'm letting everybody know that's the thing. Listen, what the Bible's saying is that you can both bless and curse with your tongue, but here's what the Bible's saying. Here's the principle. The quality of our words should match the value of the creature about whom you speak. Did you know that there is only one competition? I'm a competitive person, a very competitive person. You know there's only one competition the Bible commands you to participate in? Romans 12 says this, it says, outdo one another in showing honor. The only competition commanded in the Bible. We're supposed to use our words to honor people made in the image of God. Let, let me give an example of a failure of this on my, my behalf. Years ago, I was preparing a sermon and uh, walked into a coffee shop, and when I was there, a, a, a homeless man sat down next to me, and uh, he probably suffered from some mental illness. And he sat down and he wanted to talk and I just wanted to write a sermon. <laughs> and, uh, and so he began to talk and all these words started flashing through my mind about this man. You know, words like smelly, <laughs> uh, inconsiderate, you know, mentally ill, dirty, annoying. And while I was there, it was like the Holy Spirit just nudged my spirit and the Holy Spirit said to me, you forgot the most important thing about that man, image bearer of the living God. You see, that's what the Bible tells us to do. Every time you look at someone before you speak, you need to remember that person was worth Jesus to God. That's how valuable they are. So let me ask you this question, rhetorical question. Would you ever curse God? No. Well then why would you curse somebody made in his image? That's what the Bible's saying. Can I just say something to you? Some of you, you rightly, you wanna stand out and stand up for your Christian faith in your workplace. And for some of you, here's what you think. You think, man, here's the way I can do it. I can stand out by standing up uh, against abortion or by standing up for a biblical definition of marriage. And let me just say, those things are right and good and we should do them. You wanna know how you can really stand out in your workplace? You be the one person who refuses to criticize and speak evil of people around you. You be the one person who uses your words to honor your bosses above you, your employees below you, and your coworkers around you. You be a voice of encouragement in your workplace. I promise you, you'll stand out for your Christian faith. See, this is what the Bible calls us to, to have tongues that bless, and that's powerful. Now, let me give you an analogy, and this may sound really cheesy. I don't care. I just want you to learn, okay? Uh, let me give you an analogy that we use in, my, in the Howerton family house. 
We all the time say that we want to, with our words, be hummingbirds, not buzzards. Now, here's what I mean by this, okay? Just track with me, all right? You may use this in your own home. You know how if a, uh, if a buzzard is flying over a jungle or an oasis full of living things, that buzzard will find the one dead thing and it will descend on that dead thing, okay? But a hummingbird's the exact opposite. A hummingbird could be flying over an entire desert of deadness and a hummingbird will find the one living thing and descend on that one living thing. Now, did you know your mouth, the Bible says your mouth is either an open grave or like the drippings of honeycomb. You have a mouth that tends to either descend on the one dead thing, even when there's a lot of life in somebody's life, or you have a mouth right now that tends to descend on the one living thing when there's a lot of death in somebody's life. Here's what this looks like, okay? Do you, does your mouth, when you're speaking about someone, tend to gravitate towards the one negative thing about that person when there's a million glorious things? Or does your mouth tend to gravitate towards the one wonderful thing even when there's a lot of bad things about that person? Can I give you an example of this? So listen, your kid may not be the neatest kid, but he's got a great heart. Make that the thing that you talk about. Listen, your wife may not be the most organized wife, but she's a great mom. Man, instead of picking her apart for what she's not, build her up for what she is. Listen, your husband may never win yard of the year. He may get out there once a month and mow that daggum yard once a month. Here's what you need to do. When he comes back in for mowing once a month, you say, babe, you look so sexy in those black socks and shorts. It's just amazing. Ah, it really revs my engine when you get out there. That can, you just need to use your words to build him up and find the one thing that he's great at and that you'll steer the direction of your marriage. Now, I wanna get real practical here, okay? I think there are three, these, I'm getting ready to show you what I think are the three most powerful blessings you can speak over someone. I'm gonna show you these three things. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who in my life needs to hear this, okay? So here are the three blessings, okay? Number one, somebody in your life needs to hear you have what it takes. Now, right now, if, somebody, if the Lord puts somebody on your heart, I want you to write that name down and you need to reach out to them this week and tell them this. Somebody in your life doesn't believe in themselves as much as you believe in them. And they need to see what God sees and they need to hear from you, you've got what it takes. Okay, so who is that person? Now, here's another powerful one. You're forgiven. Now, that's easy to put on a screen, it's hard to put in a conversation. Here's why. Because for some of you, the person that needs to hear that is your ex-spouse. For some of you, the person that needs to hear that is your estranged child. I talked to a man after our Saturday night service who he, this, is, this was his word, the Holy Spirit put in his heart, and he said, Pastor Josh, I don't know how to do this. I haven't talked to my brother in 20 years, but the Holy Spirit told me that I need to tell him this. Listen, there is somebody in your life who, who only you can set free because their sin was against you, and when you tell them this, it will set them free from shackles and open up an entire new future for them. There may be somebody in your life that didn't sin against you, but they committed a sin that they can't get over in their heart, and you need to be the Christian that looks them in the eye and say, hey brother, hey sister, you're forgiven. Stop living in the past. God already died for those sins. You don't have to crucify yourself for those things anymore. You're forgiven. Now here's a third one, okay? Third powerful blessing is God used you in my life. This is a way to show somebody that their life matters and is valuable, that, it's a, that, that, that they matter. Okay, so there's somebody in your life that you need to look at this week and they need to know, God used you in my life. Your life 
matters to me. Now listen, some of you while I'm preaching this sermon, you may right now kind of be going, man, Josh, here's what's really tough. I'm noticing that my words tend towards death and not life. I wanna change that, I don't know how. Well, let me help you understand something. The Bible teaches, well, remember, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you wanna change your words, you gotta change your heart. Do you know this? A heart that feels cursed will never be able to speak blessing. But watch this, a heart that feels blessed will not be able to stay in a mode of cursing. And do you know what God has done for you by sending his son Jesus to the cross? He sent the word become flesh to speak a word of life over your soul. Do you know what the Bible calls the gospel? The word of the cross. And when you receive that as a Christian, that reaches down inside of you and it changes the narrative that you believe about yourself. And as your heart changes, your words will change. So can, can I get really vulnerable and kind of show you how this has worked in my life? So let me show you a picture. I need this to be really up close so, so you guys check this out. This right here, this is a picture of eight-year-old Josh Howerton at a children's camp. Now, ladies, calm down, I'm taken. Okay, this is, I, just, okay, I just want you to know that. This is me, eight-year-old Josh Howerton at a children's camp. What a lot of people didn't know is that eight-year-old Josh Howerton at children's camp was really, really struggling. <laughs> and he would for a lot of years. And here's why, because when I was six or seven years old, I was at a friend's house and we were playing Atari in his dad's basement. Half of you guys don't know what an Atari is. You can ask your parents when you get home. And we were there and his dad had some explicit content pinned on the walls of the basement that my parents didn't know about when I went over to his house. And I saw that over and over and over again. And I learned years later that those things were, here's the word I heard about those things, they were dirty. And here's what I began to believe about me because I'd seen those things. The first word that I ever believed about myself when I was six or seven years old is I believed that I was dirty. And that word became a reality for me. And so I spent about the next 20 years of my life making sure that nobody ever got close to me in a relationship because I just knew if they get close to me, they're gonna see that that's who I am and they'll reject me. And so it created a reality in my life. Okay, but then there was this other word. For some reason, three years in a row, when I was a kid, I had three teachers who all in my classroom in front of other kids in the class, uh, they said that I was annoying <laughs> in front of the class. I had one teacher in front of the entire class say, Josh, why are you so annoying? And I probably was. But that was the next word that I believed about myself is I believed the reality that, man, that's, that's true, I'm annoying. And so here's what I did. For about the next 20 years, I worked my tail off to accomplish as much as I could because I didn't think that anybody would care about me for who I was, so I thought maybe they'll care about me for what I can do. And that word became a reality for me. And you see, this is what's happening to some of you right now. A curse has got a hold of your heart, and so curse comes off your tongue. And so for some of you, it might not be dirty, and it might not be annoying. For some of you, it might be your, your word, that's become your reality is unattractive. And again, that might be the reason that you give your body to every guy you're in a relationship with. It might be the reason that you've developed an eating disorder in your teens or in your 20s or later is because you believe that reality that your label is unattractive. For some of you, it's not that. Here's what it is, it's unwanted. Now let's be real. For some of you, it's like your dad or your mom. They walked out on you when you were young or when you were a teenager. And in your heart, you still don't understand why they did that. And that was the word that became your reality. I'm unwanted. And for some of you, can I, can I just peel back the curtain of your heart right now? For some of you, especially you men, 
the reason you work your tail off to achieve and be upwardly mobile in your job, do you know why? Down in your heart of hearts, you're still trying to make a guy proud who hadn't been in your life for 30 years. And that word became your reality. You know, for some of you, do you know what label has become your reality for some of you guys? Divorced. Man, something terrible happened in your life. Or maybe you even know, I made a terrible decision when I was younger, or something terrible was done to you. And now you walk around and you feel like there's this big scarlet D just tattooed on your chest and you let people treat you horribly, you date people that you should never, ever, ever, you have no business letting them be in a relationship with you because you believe that this is what's most true about yourself. And so you feel like, man, I'm just a second class Christian all the time. And those are the words right there, look at that. Those are the words that have become your reality. But listen, Jesus came, he died on a cross for you and that made a new reality for you. <laughs> listen, do you know what's true about you? Let me show you some words that are true about you because you're in Christ. Here's what's true about you. You know this, you're accepted, man. If you are in Christ, it is as if you're living every second of your life under a banner that reads, accepted by the living God. And man, listen, some of you, you hear that and you're like, man, Josh, I don't know. Based on what I've done, there's just no way God could ever accept me. And let me just say, you're right. Based on what you've done, there is no way that God could accept you. But praise Christ, he doesn't accept you based on what you've done. He accepts you based on what Jesus did for you. And so now when he looks at you, God doesn't see dirty, stained, old sinner you. He sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. You know how, how this works? Here's how this works. You know, right now, some of you as a Christian, you're just so discouraged. And you're saying, man, I'm just not reading my Bible enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not evangelizing enough, whatever it is. God's up in heaven looking down at you and he's going, I don't know, man, it looks like Jesus to me. Because he sees the righteousness. You are accepted by the living God. Let me show you another one. Here's another word. You are valuable. You are forgiven. You're forgiven. Man, you guys know in Isaiah 42 what, what God says about your sins? He says, I'm the God who, listen to this, I remember your sins no more. Man, did you know this? Did you know this? The sins that you cannot seem to forget, God cannot seem to remember. He's done. Man, stop crucifying yourself for old sins. Jesus was already crucified for those things. You're forgiven. <laughs> You're free. You don't have to live one second of your life out of regret anymore. You're done, you're totally forgiven. Here's another one, you know this? You're valuable. You are so valuable. Man, I, I read in my Bible this week, Hosea 11, where God says, how could I give you up, O Ephraim? And that was a nation. How could I hand you over, O Israel? And here's what I did when I read that verse. I put my name in that verse. How could I give you up, Josh Howerton? How could I hand you over, Josh Howerton? Why? Because you were that valuable to me. You need to substitute your name in there. Did you know this about yourself? You were worth Jesus to God. You are valuable and you should be treated as valuable. That's the word that's true about you. And one more, watch this. You are loved. You are loved. Man, can, let me just, here's what I've learned. A lot of Christians live their entire life walking around and they think that God is angry at me, disappointed with me, or disgusted with me. He's just really frustrated with me all the time and he begrudgingly accepts me. Nope, the Bible says you are loved. You know how uh, we got a newborn in our house right now. We brought baby Hudson home about six weeks ago. And here's what I've learned about uh, moms with newborns. They have what I call baby goggles. And let me just be, can we be, can we be honest about something? About 99% of babies are not cute. Can we just say that? That's, just, that's, that's a fact. But here's what I've learned. No mom anywhere has ever not thought that their kid was really cute. They got baby goggles on. You know what the Bible says about God? He's got baby goggles on for you. 
Zephaniah 3, this is one of my favorite passages. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. Now listen to this. It describes God like a mom holding her newborn. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. God is like a mom holding her newborn, just singing a love song over her with you. He doesn't just accept you. He's crazy about you. And he moved heaven and earth to get to you, willing to go to the cross for you. So this, listen, that's what's true about you. You are accepted, forgiven, valuable, you are loved. And when your heart rests in the blessing that God has accomplished for you at the cross, well then what you're gonna find is that out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth begins to speak words of blessing. And so Lake Point Church, can we do that together? Man, can we, can we be a church that is a haven of honor and encouragement in a world that is a desert of cursing and discouragement and dishonor. Let's do that together. Can I pray for you right now? I wanna pray that God will begin to do this work in your heart. And so Father, would you please right now sink deeply into us the incredible truths that are true because of your son Jesus. That in Christ, we are accepted. In Christ, we are totally forgiven. In Christ, we are infinitely valuable. We are deeply loved. And Father, I pray that you would set our tongues aflame with blessing, that everywhere we go, we would be people who breathe the life-giving fire of encouragement into people around us. There are people in our lives right now whose life or death hangs in the balance whose marriages hang in the balance, whose ministries hang in the balance, and they just need somebody to come into their life and speak a word of encouragement. Father, make us those people. Thank you so much that you did that for us. We love you, and we pray that in the name of your crucified and risen son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m., and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.